So if you want to turn in your Bibles this morning to Exodus chapter 20, we're going to continue our Ten Commandments series with a sermon titled, Hallow the Name. And we're going to be looking at the third commandment this morning. As most of you know, when I was a child, I spent most of my summer vacations in Hayward with my grandparents. And one of the unique things about spending time with my grandparents was that my grandfather was very, very well known in the community. My grandfather was one of the deputy sheriffs for many years. He was a conservation warden. He was a forestry technician for the U.S. Forestry Service. He was also known as one of the most decorated World War II veterans in Sawyer County. He was also president of the VFW, president of the Moose Lodge, and president of the Disabled, American, uh, or Disabled Veterans of America post in that county. So he was pretty well known. Everybody knew who Arnold Anderson was. And so because of that, whenever I would come up and be with them, everybody would know who I was. And one of the things my grandfather would always tell me when I would go off on my own, maybe off into the woods because they lived near the woods or off into the trails or maybe even walk into town to see if I can get an ice cream cone from my Uncle Vern who owned the uh, pharmacy there in the ice cream counter. He'd always say, remember... If you're going to go out, you better act right, because how you act reflects on our family and our family name. So you better act right when you're out there. And it was something he always reinforced with me, is that I, even though if my last name was different, I was still an Anderson, and he expected me to act like an Anderson. How many people had similar instructions when you were growing up? Did your father or mother ever tell you, protect the family name? You're my son, you're my daughter, you better act like it. I did, and it's something I think that has stuck with me even to this day. I mean, because after all, all of us live in a small town, don't we? Even if we come from as far away as Holman, Holman is still a fairly small town or community. Everybody knows everybody else, either by name, reputation, or because you know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. And, I mean, I've only been here for about three years, and people I don't even know wave to me. People I don't even know honk their horns at me and wave, you know, when they drive by. And people know my, that, know, that I've never seen before just know who I am and know my name and will greet me at Quick Trip on occasion. And that's a switch from living in a city. When you live in a city of 100,000 people, you can kind of hide there. Nobody really knows who you are when you go to the supermarket unless you just happen to come across one of your close inner circle. Usually if somebody honks their horn at you in the city, it's usually because you stepped out in front of them or something, or, and it's usually followed by a lot of bad language and a one-figured salute. So it's a, it's a lot different growing up or uh, living here than it is uh, living in a city. And because of that, because I know that people know me here more than they did in Kenosha, I personally try to be sensitive to my grandfather's words and, grant, and sensitive to the fact that people know who I am. Even if I, that's why I don't go out and pick up the mail anymore in my sweatpants because somebody actually complained about it. Is that a pastor should never leave the house in a pair of sweatpants and a t-shirt. <laughs> I just thought that was kind of funny, but hey, you know, I defended somebody. So I'll go out there with, dressed more appropriately, I guess. And I do this because I want to protect the name of Jesus. I want to protect the name of this church, and I want to reflect positively on all of you as your pastor. And the third commandment is largely about Father God telling us the same thing that my grandfather told me, and that is protect his name, honor his name, cherish his name. 
If we remember the third commandment or the first commandment tells you the focus of our worship is to be on Yahweh God alone. The second commandment tells us not to put anything before our worship of God. And the third commandment now tells us that even his very name is sacred. It is hallowed. It is to be held holy and set apart. It is of infinite worth and value. And that his name is to be honored above all else. So let's read the text of the commandment this morning. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, it says, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. And Father God, we ask, Lord, as we read this commandment, that you will just renew a passion in our hearts for your name. For everything that name entails and for every way that that name should be honored. And that how important it is to you that we honor your name, Lord. We ask this in your name. Amen. I heard a story from about 20 years ago probably several commissioners ago, about how when new athletes would come into the NFL, the commissioner would have a meeting with these new athletes about how their personal conduct affects their jobs. He told them, he said, look, I know a lot of you are coming off the farm. I know a lot of you are coming from inner city. A lot of you are coming from poverty. A lot of you are coming from little small towns that nobody has heard of, the kind that if you blink hard, you miss the city when you're driving through it. He saw this, so this is going to be an incredible change in your life. You're coming, a lot of you are coming from dirt, nothing, and all of a sudden you're rich. You're very wealthy. I mean, a lineman in the NFL makes $500,000 at least a year. So they're coming from dirt poor to being rich. And you're going to have all this money thrown at you. You're going from being relatively unknown to being famous all over the wo- world. You go, there are going to be women out there that throw themselves at you. People are going to want to get close to you. They're going to try to ride your gravy train and, and get close to you and try to take advantage of you. And all this is going to hit you very, very quickly. As soon as you don that uniform, it's all going to hit you right there and then. And you're going to have the temptation to believe that now you're the big guy on campus. Now you're all that. You're the superstar player who gets to do whatever he wants now. And it's going to be very tempting to just fall into that mindset. The NFL commissioner would then pause and turn around and he would point to the shield that represented professional football in our country. And he would say, guys, you need to protect that shield and what it represents. You are professional, professional football players. You need to act like professionals because that shield represents the organization that is about to enable you to live out all these dreams. And bringing shame to that shield by you being stupid in your, in your uh, public life will not be tolerated in this league. Protect that shield, guys. This is the NFL's version of the third commandment. And that is why the third commandment exists. God is telling us, protect my name. Honor my name. Remember, it is my name that gives you life. It's my name that enables you to live a life of blessing and freedom. It's my name that protects you and ensures you of a position in heaven someday. Protect the name. 
And that illustration gives us a strong hint of God's intention and meaning behind the third commandment. But before we get any further, let's look at what the strict interpretation and theology is in Exodus chapter 20. If you were to read the scripture that we are studying today in its original Hebrew, the best paraphrase for us that I could come up with in 2017 would be this. Do not treat as common and do not disrespect the name of Yahweh, your Elohim. Now God's formal name is Yahweh. My formal name is John. Bernie's formal name is Bernie, etc. We all have a formal name. Bernard, yes, thank you. <laughs> Elohim is his title. It's, a, it's translated as English into God. It's a description of who he is. It's like Jesus' last name is not Christ. It is a designation of who he is. It is a title of who he is. He is Jesus, the Christ, would be the uh, proper way to say it. Christ just simply means anointed one or Messiah or Savior. So the third commandment is, do not misuse the name of Yahweh, your God. And let me unpack that a little bit more. I have found the longer I live, that I have kind of a spiritual attorney, and I think most of us have this. Spiritual attorney loves to find loopholes. He loves to find technicalities that he can bring up to justify bad behavior in our minds sometimes. I don't know if you have kind of this inner monologue like I do sometimes, but our spiritual attorney is this leftover from our sinful nature that who likes to jump up when we want to do something that we feel or even know is bad, and we want to try to find a loophole to be able to do it, to justify it in our own minds so we don't feel bad and we don't feel guilty. And he, he finds us this loophole to try to squeeze into. And our spiritual attorney in this case would say, well, if we follow what the Bible strictly says... It says, then saying something like OMG is not taking God's name in vain because we didn't say Yahweh. He's going to try, to try to make you get away with that. And technically, I suppose he is right. If we're going to go with our super strict interpretation of Scripture, that would be correct. But if we're going to uh, apply the super strict interpretation of Scripture with this, then we have to apply it to the entire Bible then, don't we? If we're going to be honest with each other. So then, if we're going to apply the entire Bible that strictly, after church this morning, every single one of us will have to line up on the lawn out there and submit to stoning. I don't know who's going to throw the rocks, but if we finish this command, it says that God will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. And in the Old Testament law, using God's name or his designation, referring to him in any way, Carelessly or as a curse is a capital crime. You were stoned to death if you got caught using God's name in vain. Pretty serious. God says, I will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Now maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've been saved all your life and, and you've never said God carelessly or you've never, you've never used a lot of the curses that people, people use to defame God's name. Maybe you've never done that. But probably, at some point, you may have, particularly if you came to faith later in life. This sin is called blasphemy, and it's a big word for a big crime in God's eyes. Blasphemy means you are defaming, making small, or insulting a higher being. 
And it's not a big, it's a big deal for God to say that you cannot commit this sin without having direct consequences. There's not a lot that he says where he says he will not hold somebody guiltless who does this. So it's a pretty big deal for him to say that. Now that's the theology. That's a strict biblical truth of what the third commandment means in the Bible. Let's look at its practical applications and how our society treats God's names. Because blasphemy is actually something very common in our culture, isn't it? Profaming his name or using God's name is a curse. And one of the most common ways that people use this is with the phrase, Oh my God. We'll just shorten it to OMG so I have to, don't have to keep saying that. Now think for a moment of what you're saying when you say OMG. You are actually invoking God's name and you are asking for his presence to bear witness to whatever you're using this exclamation for. And yes, words do matter. As, you know, you, you walk into the room and you see the cat just vomited on the rug and you go, OMG! I mean, somebody cuts you off in traffic, you go, OMG, such a jerk. Or you see somebody who's really good looking and you go, OMG, that's so good looking. I mean, think of, think of the way that you are using God and asking him to bear witness in a very casual way. And I could continue, but you get the idea. Another more profane way that links, God's, that links God's designation of God with the word damn. Now, damn is the actual biblical word. It's a biblical word, particularly in the King James Version. Damn means that you are, that something is literally being cast into hell. So when you link God's name with damn, that literally means that you are praying for God to cast something into hell. I recently heard a uh, person say, he said, my GD grandkids are coming over this weekend. And I looked at him and I said, you don't like your grandkids? He goes, oh, no, no, I, I love my grandkids. I, you know, I love it when they come over and spend time with me. We're going to go fishing. We're going to do all this kind of stuff. I said, you understand by using the term GD, you just said, God, will you please cast them into hell? That's what that word literally means. But like most people, we don't really think about what we say. And what it means is that when you invoke God's name, either formally with Yahweh or informally with his description, by definition, that's a prayer. So when people say something like GD, that's actually praying that you are, would cast them into hell. And that's why there is this prohibition in the Bible. We have to be very careful what we are calling God's presence and attention to, because we don't want to mix the holy with the profane, do we? We don't want to ever do that. We have to be careful about what we're calling God's presence and attention to. And that goes with any biblical description of God, by the way. There's also something else that we have to realize. While God's formal name is indeed Yahweh, Jesus is equal with God, the Father. So his name also counts. And so using Jesus' name as a curse also violates this commandment. And his middle name is not H, by the way. Just saying. And I think, honestly, I'm more sensitive to when people use Jesus' name than I am with OMG or GD. And the Bible, because the Bible says there's only one name given under heaven by when, which men must be saved. And that name is Jesus. And yet people use it as a curse. Have you ever, have you ever wondered about that? 
I mean, how many times has a guy hit his thumb with a hammer and they go, ah, ah, Muhammad curse it? I mean, they don't say anything like that. Or how many times has a person been exasperated by somebody and they go, oh, go ahat Buddha? They don't say things like that, do they? People always want to use the Christian God or the Christian Savior to curse. But maybe because there's no power in those other names. There's nothing to pull down because they're false. Maybe by reducing the name of God as a curse and our Savior to a pithy way of expressing disgust or exasperation, it's a way for the, the devil to destroy in our minds the power that exists in calling on those names. That's why we need to protect the name, not only in our conversation, but how we live our lives. And that brings us to our next point. One of the ways that people profane the name of God is when we don't live in a way that brings honor to our God. And this happens when people want the benefits of living in their father's house, but none of the responsibilities. Unfortunately, there's way too many Christians today that treat the relationship with God like the 22-year-old kid that graduates from college moves back into his parents' house and just kind of wants to live there. They got a job at Burger King, they, where they sleep until noon, they go out and hang out with their friends, work a short shift at Burger King, come home and repeat. And that's how they want to live their lives. They want to live in their father's house. They want the benefits of living at home. They want mom to cook for them, mom to do the laundry. They both, you know, mom and dad will pay all the bills. Dad will do the upkeep of the house and do all the lawn stuff and all that kind of stuff. And I just get to sleep in. I want the benefits of living in my father's house, but I don't want any of the responsibility that goes with it. That's the attitude of some Christians today. In the church, we call these people the pew warmers, the people that want to be somewhat associated with the church, but they don't want to do anything to support it. Many of these people live lives that don't look any different than those of the people around them. In fact, most people would be surprised if they go to church at all. And if this offends you, that's actually a good thing, because that's what the Word of God is supposed to do. That's why the, word, the Bible says the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It's supposed to penetrate to the dividing of soul and spirit, joint and matter. It's supposed to, to judge the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. And that's a biblical truth that has been lost in the church in recent years. And that is we're not supposed to be the lazy kid that comes home from college. Because when Jesus saves us, he didn't just give us a fire insurance policy. He didn't just change our grade on a report card from an F to an A to impress God. He didn't just fudge the transcripts to show God that, yes, we're an honor roll student. We get to go to heaven. Jesus saved us to give us a new life. And with that new life should come new priorities. There should come new passions. There should come a new mission and a new focus in our life. And that, that mission is to spread the gospel in name of Jesus Christ to every corner of the planet, in every area of our lives. What God is saying here is you don't get just to wear the jersey of the team you love. You're supposed to go getting out on the field and playing the game. Because that's where God's blessing is. People say, you know, they get saved and they just want to sit and they ask, well, where's God's blessing? Where's his presence? Where's his provision? What's out there on the field? 
You got to get out there and play the game. You got to get out there and serve. You got to get out there and get involved with making his name famous. Jesus said, Your mission is to make the gospel known throughout all the world. First in Jerusalem, then in Judea, then in Samaria, then to the other parts of the earth. That is the mission that we are supposed to have and the reason that He saved us. He has given us this mission. He planned this place for you since the creation of the world. You were part of this plan. And He agrees with me. <laughs> with that thunder. Another way that we can misuse the name of God is by invoking his name. Have you ever watched a newly elected politician get sworn into office? What do they usually put their left hand on when they hold up their right hand? Bible. Bible. Or if they're Jewish, it might be a copy of the Torah. If they're a Muslim, it might be a copy of the Quran. Usually their spouse is there holding it, kind of beaming with pride at their accomplishment. Now, not to be cynical, but how many of them actually carry out the precepts that are found in that book into the office that they're about to apply, that they're about to enter into? I mean, have you ever wanted to write a politician and remind them that they swore an oath with their hand on the Bible? So how can they support this thing that is so anti-God over here? I mean, how can you hold your hand on a Bible? with Jesus saying, suffer not the little children, let them come on to me and support abortion. I mean, how can you do that? I mean, really, it almost seems like they should almost hold their hand over their own heart and then hold it up, because that's really what they're going to do, is, is do things that are going to make them and make their position better. When people try, try to invoke God's name, they want to increase their credibility but in the end, they decrease God's credibility by doing that. How about a court of law? In some precincts, they still have a person place their hand on the Bible and swear an oath that ends with, so help me God. But how many people go to uh, court and they stretch the truth, they omit the truth, or just outright lie? We see this all the time in our lives. And not only in our court lives, not only in our politicians' lives, we see it in our daily lives. How often... When a person is trying to convince you that they're telling the truth and what they're saying is, is, is fact, they'll say something like, I swear to, what do they say? I swear to God. I swear to God. Or how about, as God is my, you guys have heard that one too. Or how about, I swear on a stack of, don't only bring out the King James. I want the King James, the NIV, the NASB. I want them all. Put them all right there, every single language. Stack them this high, I'll swear on all of them. Everything I'm saying is absolutely true right now. Why are they doing that? Because they're trying to invoke God's name. God who is the standard of truth. God who is the standard of holiness to increase their credibility. But that brings us to the big idea of invoking God's name that way. And that is never, ever, ever try to increase your credibility at the expense of God's credibility. That is one of the central points that God is trying to hammer into us with this third commandment. And if you bring God into it, it better be something that you'd feel comfortable presenting him with face to face. These are a couple, just a couple of the ways that people in our world misuse God's name. 
Let's look at a couple ways that we honor his name. Two ways that we honor God's name is through our words and through our actions. Through our words, it's simple. Just use appropriate speech. Appropriate speech means if you're not going to say it in front of God directly, if you were standing right here, if you're not going to say it in front of Jesus, if you were standing right here, or you wouldn't say it in front of your grandma, don't say it. Jesus' little brother James has this to say about how we speak. In James 3.9 he says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praises and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. How can fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt water produce fresh water. To paraphrase what Jesus' little brother James is saying right here, and bringing it right down to where we live, he is saying, if you call yourself a Christian, then you have died to that old nature. Therefore, your speech should reflect your new nature. And your new nature is his brother Jesus' nature. You are not your own. You were bought with a, Christ, a price. That old, old nature is dead, and our life is now be in Christ. And this takes a lifetime of self-discipline. I have not always been good at this, and sometimes I'm still not very good at it. But how you speak really tells people what you believe. I found two personal scriptures that I probably should say about a hundred times a day. And they were written about a thousand years before James wrote what he wrote. Solomon went and wrote this. In Proverbs 10.19 he says, When words are many, sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue is wise. Solomon also wrote in Ecclesiastes 5.2, he said, Do not be quick with your mouth, do not be hasty in your heart, to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on the earth. Therefore, let your words be few. If you can't say something nice, don't say it at all. That just buries it, gets it right down to the street level where we live. The other way is through our deeds. I'm just going to ask just a series of questions that are going to probe whether you honor God's name in your daily life. And you can just answer these in your, own, in your own hearts. With the last five interactions yesterday you had with people outside your homes, would they be able to tell you were a Christian? Would they be able to tell that? What if we just were able to just project what we watched on TV or looked at at the internet this week? Would we be able to tell you're a Christian? How about if we look at your Spotify or or your music list would be able to tell you're a Christian. Because honoring God's name means that we honor the God who gave up everything for us so that we can be with him. Everything in our life should reflect who we worship. I'm going to end today with just one more quick story. There's a woman who was late for work. And speeding, and she's passing people on the road, dodging the lightning bolts too, apparently. 
And as she passed people, she'd get frustrated and she'd be yelling out profanity and, and flipping them off and, and waving her hands at them and everything. And she's, she's trying to get to work. And as she passed another car, all of a sudden in her rearview mirror, she sees flashing lights. And she gets pulled over by a police officer. Police officer pulls up, angles his car in between him and her, opens his door, pulls out his gun, points it at her, tells her to get out of the car. Walk backward toward him. He goes, he handcuffs her and throws her in the back of the car. And she's like, oh, this for a speeding ticket? What did I do? And so the police officer's outside, and he's talking on his radio. And the police officer came and, and said, and started to talk to her. And she's like, what, what's going on? What, you know, why, why are you handcuffing me and pointing your gun at me and all this kind of stuff? He said, well, ma'am, I saw you pe pe speeding and passing people, and I was just going to do a traffic stop because these are violations. But then I heard the language coming out of your mouth and you flipping people off and screaming like that. And I read your bumper sticker. It said, my husband is a pastor and a Christian fish on your back window. And I, so I assumed the car was stolen and I initiated a felony stop. So I ask you this morning, does God need to initiate a felony stop with you today? Does God need to examine your heart and ask you, do your words and deeds match up with the, my character and with my name? Because they need to. Because this third commandment is all about protecting the name of God in every part of our lives. Amen?